0: Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov The Podcast.
0: This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the Need to Know Political News and tea.
1: So as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week. There are 28 days until the midterm elections. Mm -hmm. Do not let your friends miss elections. How many times do we have to tell you?
0: Five gazillion and ten times or more. I really don't have a precise number because we we are clearly not number gals. Anyways, friends don't let friends miss elections. We have a collection that says that exact phrase on it because it is our mantra, our motto, our go-to phrase when it comes to voting because it's just true. You need to make sure that your friends vote and your friends need to also do the same to you. It's like, it's like the I think the civic, what is the phrase? Like loyalty test. Like you know, you're gonna say it's
1: the civic version of don't let your friends text their ex, you know, like it's just (gasps) that vibe. But also speaking of just the sentiment, I Mm. am working on, at the moment, planning Mm. a gathering for my friends to bring their ballots over. I was going to do it for the primaries, but I just thought of it too late, and I couldn't execute. But it's happening for this general election. And I'm going to have my friends over. I'm in California, so everyone gets a mail-in ballot. They're bringing their ballots over. We're drinking wine. We're eating yummy snacks. And we're talking about our ballots and talking about some candidates that we're into and voting together. Very important question. It's really, it's make or break. What are the snacks going to be like? That's all in the works. So I just remembered this concept literally this morning and I just texted my friends. I'm like, get ready. It's actually happening this time. And so I'm about to enter party planning mode. So snack suggestions are on
0: the table for anyone. Like a charcuterie board where it says vote. Like, you know how people get like really into Designing a cute charcuterie board. Like you could make Mm -hmm. a V out of like the meats and then nuts with like the O or like whatever. Cute.
1: Again, suggestions are welcome and needed. So, but my point is, you should also do something like this. I think it'll be a fun way to make sure your friends don't miss elections and have fun doing it. And also to just like bring politics into your friends' groups' conversation. I think this is a fun, friendly way. To do that and hopefully moving forward it is a topic that you can continue to talk about with your friends continue to stay engaged with your friends and i think having a little voting party is the perfect way to implement that into your friend group so just a suggestion
0: i love it suggestion box check mark thank you thank you very much you know what else you can also talk about at said party Hmm. or gathering or j chill or i don't what are we what do we call a hangout these days whatever anyways you can also bring up the giving circle that we have with the states project i also need to send
1: that in my friend group i just sent it to my family finally i've been the worst about it but also about to drop it in the friend group Blue. and i just donated too i hadn't donated yet i just you guys it's okay
0: sometimes it's how sometimes it's we're just behind like it just happens yeah. that's life it's I don't really have any good words of wisdom mostly because I haven't had enough coffee today because the coffee that I did drink had a bug at the bottom of it. And when I mean a bug at the bottom of it, I mean a massive moth. Like this thing ew. was huge. Ew, like, ew. And I, at first this is everyone has to suffer because I suffered through this. So sorry. <laughs> not really. I like, at first thought it was like, you know, some coffee has like sludge at the bottom. Like it just like somehow like the grounds didn't get like, you know, grounded yeah. up or the, the grounds, and the ground. whatever, you know what I mean, I thought it was that, and then I put it up to the light, and no, it was a massive drowned moth, like, one of the ones that are, like, this big, Ew. I'm scarred for life, they're um, so those ones are, yeah, so. so big, and I feel bad, because they're, like,
1: friendly, you know, they're friendly bugs, they don't do anything to you, but they're just so large, and it's, like, They're enough to freak you out. And you're like, I'm not going to kill one of those things because that's like actual murder because they're so large. Like little bugs, I'm okay with killing. But like (laughs) big ones, I'm just like, no, that's actual murder that I'm committing, you know? So like what do you do with the moths, the big moths? I don't know what to do with them. Again, we have obviously some things to plug Peruge, We mentioned our Friends Don't Miss Friends collection. Friends don't miss friends. Friends don't let friends miss elections. Collection <laughs> that's on social goods right now. So you can head to their website, go to the brands tab, and look for the girl in the GovX x social goods collection, and you can see all of the products there. There's a trucker hat that says it. There's a tote that says it. There is a pop socket that says it. There's stickers. So go check it out and get your friends don't miss <laughs> friends don't let friends miss <laughs> elections. Didn't know we created a tongue twister before this election. So. There's that on that. Speaking of our giving circle, super important stuff. Again, I just sent it to my family. So it's okay. It's never With too only late. only
0: seven days left to go.
1: It's never too late. It's never too late. It's true. <laughs> and that's why. And that's the message here today, too, is that like we're telling everyone right now, and there's probably a lot of people who haven't donated yet, but guess what? It's not too late. And basically, what this giving circle does is it helps dismantle really a lot of GOP control and power in our state legislatures, and they have really built power across the country for decades now and are trying to now use that power to push policies that violate human rights, that you know, threaten our democracy. And so, we partnered with the States Project to create this giving circle that raises money for underfunded progressive state legislatures, state legislator races to take power back and protect people in the states because we have seen with a lot of the issues that we are facing today, how they really all come back to our state governments and the power that they hold there. So definitely give a few dollars if you can, send to your friends and family. And I think collectively we can we can hit our goal. We can raise a bunch of money and help take this power back. So donate what you can, a dollar, $10, whatever it is, 50. I did 50 because I was feeling bold and I wanna, you know, protect our states you know bold and i don't know know. (laughs) but that's our housekeeping for today we will bombard you with more tomorrow (laughs) so there's that on that but let's get into these top stories again like we said we are we will say 28 days for everyone listening from the 2022 midterm elections there's some stuff happening this week around really just the political world that is obviously contributing to campaigns and the platforms that they're running on across the country so the economy is obviously a big one we are living through some high inflation times and the consumer price index data for september will be released on thursday morning aka the cpi and the cpi is the most high profile measure of inflation and this is the final report before voters head to the polls With the Federal Reserve jacking up interest rates by 75 basis points at a time, Congress, Wall Street, and the White House are searching for any signs that inflation is cooling. And so as we've noted, the U.S. economic picture is incredibly complex right now. The economy added 263,000 jobs in September, and unemployment is at a 50-year low of 3.5%. And so while President Joe Biden and Democratic leaders were quite pleased by this, the Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell and investors are not. So the Federal Open Market Committee, which sets monetary policy, next meets on November 1st and 2nd, just days before the election. And so another jumbo, quote, jumbo rate hike is practically guaranteed at this point. So that's a little news update on the economy and, again, how it's playing into what voters are looking at, what campaigns are talking about. So There's an update there. What else is happening? The January 6th Select Committee will hold a hearing on Thursday. The panel hasn't released an agenda for the session yet. And so what's also happening is that even though the Senate is out until mid-November, the Senate Judiciary Committee will hold a hearing on Wednesday for six of Biden's judicial nominations, including Anthony Johnstone's nomination for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So there's that. And there's actually some interesting news here because for the second time, second time for during his gubernatorial campaign, violence has touched GOP rep Lee Zeldin of New York and two men were shot outside of his Long Island home on Sunday. His daughters were inside the house at the time, but they were unharmed, thankfully. And so Zeldin was the victim of an attempted stabbing back in July too. So just interesting violence surrounding this man and this candidacy that is just absolutely
0: wild. This whole thing is kind of interesting because we've seen – well, interestingly fucked up, I suppose. But the rise in violence and violent threats towards elected officials has, like, really gone up in, like, the last few years and especially the last year. And I think this one is, like, particularly interesting because, one, it's now happened twice. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, like, yeah – there's people that don't like him they're like oh i'm gonna vote for the democrat but like of all the like gop candidates out there right like this is like so the odd one it's not like like okay like scenarios in which i no, but also it's like also like the scenarios in which i see these types of things happening which by the way are not acceptable but like how i could see them building it's like okay there is a real threat from like one party to the next or whatever so they're trying to use scare tactics or something like that or there is like like absolute fire brand like a marjorie taylor green or something like that crazy and like is
1: this some like mob shit? Like why? You know, it's like it maybe is New there's York, some behind so. the scenes shit happening. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Who knows? Oh, don't don't you worry. That is the first thing that went through my head. I was like,
1: Who <laughs> yeah. are you involved with? Like who? Sopranos. Like who did you screw over? getting Sopranos. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, glad I'm glad stuff. everyone
0: is safe. Regardless, hundred yeah, percent. Always. But I I, I like saw this and was like, huh. Wow, yeah. that's that's an oddball one. But that's scary as fuck.
1: But yeah, agreed. some more stuff that is happening. Senator Tommy Tuberville, he's a Republican from Alabama, and Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's a Republican from Georgia, made racist remarks during rallies held by former President Donald Trump over the weekend. Greene also recently compared Biden to Adolf Hitler, a remark which some Democrats want her censored for. Trump, of course.
0: Yeah, I'm good with that. That would be great. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that would be great.
1: Yeah. Trump, of course, previously made his own racist comments about former Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao. So just continued rhetoric from these, these folks that is absolutely unacceptable. And it's just crazy that this is the world we live in. Also, big, big debate happening because Raphael Warnock of Georgia and Republican challenger Herschel Walker are hitting the debate stage. Which is going to be interesting, especially given the recent news that has dropped around Herschel Walker. If you did not listen to our podcast last week, we talk about the tea that spilled just lots and lots of tea. The whole tea kettle, in fact, not just a cup. (laughs) Because the Georgia race really has been dominated by scandals involving Herschel Walker. And so, recap, the Daily Beast reported last week that Walker allegedly paid for an abortion for his then-girlfriend in 2009. Um, That actually, more tea spilled even after we recorded and talked about it in our podcast last week. Because a report also dropped that Walker has a child with that same woman he paid for the abortion for. The New York Times also disclosed that Walker urged the woman to have a second abortion, which she refused to do. Also, Christian Walker, who is Herschel Walker's son, attacked his father on social media. So again, the tea was just spilling. The tea was very hot. And despite the uproar, Republicans largely have stuck with Walker, at least in public. And so the other thing that dropped was that Walker, the Walker campaign fired its political director after suspecting that he leaked to the media. So... All of that happened last week. There's some other, obviously, things we just mentioned that are happening this week. So there's your little just, like, quick recap of all of the craziness that's happening.
0: But, yeah. Well, also, to just this larger Herschel Walker scenario, situation, whatever, this really ties into the whole thing that we always say. is like, they when people tell you who they are, listen. Because the Republicans here, not only have they kept supporting them, but... Dana Loesch who is a pro-life TV and radio host literally said literally said that she does not care about whether or not Herschel Walker paid for his girlfriend's abortion saying she wants control of the senate yeah like that is what you're like what we're all seeing here with like the situation of them all sticking by Herschel. I mean, first of all, I mean, I will say, I will admit, like, they don't really have a choice, right? Like, if they abandon ship, what's their what's their next move anyways? Yeah. Like, write-in candidate, I don't even, like, that's not gonna mm-hmm. work. So, I, I do feel like, regardless, they don't really have much of a choice, but I also think that her commentary is just such a good pinpoint of that, and that yeah. goes for candidates across the country, regardless of whether... People feel like they're up to snuff or not. They want the majority and and they'll do whatever they can do to get
1: it. Dynamic to compare the two parties of how they deal with shit. Because, like, Mm. I, like, it's weird because the Republicans are so on the side of, like, you're right, like, especially past a primary where, like, these are their candidates. Like, they will stick with them no matter what. Like, Donald Trump is the perfect example. And then they, like, basically have to, like continue to evolve with these problematic candidates and then that ultimately like makes the party what it is and like what it is now today like because they just have to keep you know pivoting with all of these crazy fucking candidates because they don't do anything about it or hold them accountable so it just keeps getting like worse and worse and like these problematic candidates just keep popping up and then they get into office and then it's just like that's now what makes up the republican party and it's just so interesting because like then you see like al franken for example like you know, mm-hmm. immediately, like, resigns, like, out of the party, out of politics. He's done forever, like, and it's just interesting how the two parties deal with shit. And sometimes I'm, like, for the Al Franken thing, there is this picture of him making a misogynistic joke, basically. And while problematic, it's, like, that doesn't even scratch the surface of the problematic shit that the GOP does and that they don't even touch accountability for. But then, like, the Democrats are almost sometimes too, like... I don't know it's just interesting how opposite
0: yeah react party handles with people ways. yeah very very different approaches I think this might be the one time I ever agree with Mitch McConnell but he did make comments recently about candidate quality and that's part of like the rift that's happening between him and what's his face from Florida Rick Scott and all of the fundraising attempts that they're rolling through. Like he is right. Like they have a candidate quality issue, yeah, which might cost them. But part of that too is like when you pick candidates that are only picked based on their endorsement by one person, which in this case is Donald Trump, and therefore just following that, that's where you're gonna run into trouble. And hey, if it helps us. By all means, make well, those and Mitch mistakes. McConnell, it's rolling. also
1: your fault because you don't do shit and you don't speak up and you don't like do the right, right. thing, and then this like snowball continues to grow of all these people doing problematic There's things. No your candidate in the quality, room. right, your candidate quality, but also like your elective quality and your like party quality is now in the tank because you're not stepping up and like holding people accountable when it right. starts, and now you're in too deep, and it's just like.
0: And- and that's a longstanding thing at this point because that was part of the pattern during the Trump administration itself. It's like right. no one was checking them. There have been so many times where a president has been just absolutely on the wrong side of things, I feel like more times than not. But, like, there are supposed to be this, like, check and balance of Congress. Yeah. And so for that opportunity to be lost and them to go all in, I mean, that was a weird move even then.
1: Yeah. And now but here we are. it's also like an ode to, like, our system, too. Right. Because it's like, you know, what are you supposed to do when you're in a two-party system and, you know, you have your priorities and the only way to get your policy priorities done is if the candidate in your party wins. And it's like, if you're past a primary, you don't have any other option, what are you supposed to do? Right. But it's like, it's Although, kind of owed to our system and how much that needs reform too.
0: And I don't know if this is like an option every every spot, but like one of the campaigns that got totally bamboozled via right-in candidate, was the mayoral race in Buffalo, New York. What was it, last year? I'm bad mm-hmm. at timing. But that our friend Drisana was the campaign manager for. And yeah. India Walton won the primary fair and square. And the guy that was running against her in the primary, who obviously lost, ran a huge right-in cam- write-in campaign was the word that I'm looking for. Yeah, I guess right-in yeah. campaign will just go with that because I'm lacking words today. And he ended up winning. And he mm-hmm. totally, like, yeah, he bamboozled it. I yeah. There is another word I'm looking for, and I cannot think of it for the life of me. It's Monday. Regardless, I do think this whole scenario of how parties react to scandal these days, super interesting. Like, I think the GOP very much runs into it, just accepts it. It's the no adults in the room scenario.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Well, moving on, our tangent and rant aside. There's another story to talk about.
0: There is. There is, and it is the teacher shortage that has been growing and growing over the last few years, but especially in the last year. So, the challenges of the past couple years have made one already demanding profession that much harder and that is teaching. The pandemic ramped up pressure on teachers with the added stress of adapting to remote learning. But now, even with the worst of the pandemic behind us, teachers are facing the next set of challenges in the classroom, from pay to parents and politics, which hence why we're talking about this, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is the the—that is the trifecta. So one of the issues is educators nationwide have been underpaid forever, by the way, literally forever. forever. Like I, it's like actually disgusting. Yeah. Anyways, they're also undervalued, under-resourced, I could go on. Both of my friends that were teachers are out of it now as a result of all of these things. Like yeah, they were I like, yeah, to. See, yeah, anyways, to get into the story, those problems were exasperated by the pandemic and put under national spotlight, forcing many teachers to leave the profession altogether, which we were just mentioning. Many of the nation's public schools have started the 2022-23 school year with teacher shortages. A new survey from the National Education Association found 53% of public schools were understaffed at the beginning of the school year. of them reported struggles with shortages since the start of the pandemic when teachers were working on the front lines, overhauling lesson plans to adapt to virtual learning, and helping students understand and make it through the pandemic. It's difficult to nail down the exact number of classrooms facing teacher shortages, but reports from across the country detail staffing gaps that stretch from hundreds to the thousands, according to the Washington Post. One school official says they've never seen it this bad. The September jobs report proved just how serious the shortage is. The U.S. recently recovered the total number number of jobs lost during COVID, but the education sector is seeing no such recovery and continue to see losses in September. And so the question is why we have a shortage. Past the pandemic-induced teacher exhaustion, experts point to a number of other factors for the shortage, including low pay, hello, a lack of respect, more red tape, lackluster support unprecedented political intervention and overbearing parents, which those last two are very much connected. For example, one study found that roughly three quarters of Texas teachers seriously considered leaving the profession over lack of respect and support. And I think this whole thing is so interesting because we recently were on the interesting with the sphere, And this was one of the things that we talked about, about education and how fundamental it is to everything else. Mm-hmm. And here we are in a scenario in which we are underpaying our teachers, undervaluing our teachers. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona attributed recent teacher shortages in the U.S. to low pay and a lack of respect. It's so funny how that just is just a continuous you theme throughout these articles and also mm-hmm. just reality teacher shortages are most common in special education and elementary school followed by math and english as a second language or bilingual education according to the results of the august survey done by the national center for education statistics an arm of the u.s education department schools nationwide are also reporting a shortage of bus drivers custodians and mental health counselors Also looking at this element of pay, the topic of teacher compensation isn't new, but has gained significant attention following the pandemic. A stunning report by the Economic Policy Institute found teacher wages have been mostly flat since 1996. Many states and school districts have utilized the billions of dollars in federal COVID relief aid to reduce shortages by using the money to boost teachers' paychecks. Not enough, guys. Through bonuses, raises, and college loan forgiveness. Again, not enough. Retention and recruitment, where budgets can not accommodate raises, school districts are forced to think outside of the box to incentivize teachers to stay. And some are widening, their search nets in an effort to find more people who can do the job. Hmm, I don't know, tax major corporations and raise teachers wages. Just an idea here, folks, for the people in the back. Okay, some school districts are putting entire school days on the chopping block using a four-day work week to entice teachers. In Missouri, 25% of all districts will be on a four-day schedule this fall. The shorter week is also being tried in New Mexico, Colorado, Oregon, Idaho, and South Dakota. Okay, so here's my immediate question for that. So then who's paying for the child care for the working parents that work five days a week? Mm-hmm. What are they doing? What are they supposed to do with their kids for yeah. that fifth day? Mm-hmm. Would love to know. New state law in Arizona signed by Governor Doug Ducey last month allows college students to become teachers, making it easier for aspiring teachers without bachelor's degree to gain work experience in the classroom. This is yeah. ridiculous. In Florida, a similar law allows military veterans who serve for at least four years to hold K through 12 teaching jobs. Honestly, this one is so much worse to me than the college students that at least had the eye on the prize being a teaching job. It's just crazy that we need to Just because you're a veteran doesn't mean that you can't also become a teacher, but you also need to be trained just like you need to be trained to be in the military. I cannot.
1: Right. When like really the problem comes down to how they're paid and like lack of respect, those are the two reoccurring themes we're hearing right now. It's like Those are, I think, really easy things to fix, especially given the amount of money we waste on unnecessary things in this country like
0: i mean i think also too this really comes down to the fact that teaching has long been a woman-dominated field so this is the patriarchy at its finest i mean right the fact that we are like fighting tooth and nail
1: to I mean, just, with like, have teachers
0: paid to have like a living wage yeah it's just insane like the amount of teachers where it's like they can't live anywhere near the school district that they teach at because they can't afford to or they can't afford basic necessities or they don't have supplies for their classrooms and not to forget where we have a lot of school districts where the funding is based on property tax and mm-hmm. if there isn't a good property tax base based yeah. on redlining and so many other things i mean it's so deep you know what i mean like and it's there's how solutions a here, problem
1: totally, like and this has totally. been a problem forever and it's i feel like we're now starting to finally really feel it of like of really the consequences of our inaction around, mm. you know, fixing our education system, helping our teachers, etc. And one thing I will say and wanted to highlight in regards to the story is that someone we've seen be a real champion of this is Beto O'Rourke in his platform. He's running for governor of Texas and he is making this a pillar of what he's running on, which is amazing, especially given that like Texas is one of the states that is feeling this the worst. And I've just continued to hear him speak on this and, you know, advocate for it and make it a real priority of his campaign and of his candidacy. So just wanted to highlight, highlight that.
0: You know what I think like everyone should do. And I think we need to make a point of this too, because I feel like but just total accident of like the news cycle we haven't done done it enough is asking every candidate where they stand on teacher raises and yeah it's generally needs to education
1: be, it needs to be something asked about across the and board you know, across the country. i think that's
0: our responsibility too like and we we need to be those people as well moving on to the next segment of this story which is parents and politics Surveys find parents are deeply concerned about teacher shortages too, but some teachers say parents play a large role in driving them towards exits. Teachers writing into Mo News, which is where the story is from, this weekend say many parents expect 24-7 immediate communication, including during the school day. Berate teachers for giving their child a lower grade, with some even taking to harassing them on social media. Then there's a growing movement of parents who say they want more of a say in their kid's curriculum. That has left some teachers feeling like parents and politicians and sometimes their own school board members have little respect for their profession. Teachers say there is a lot of misinformation on social media driving some of the controversies. It comes amid escalating culture wars in education that has left parents uneasy about certain curriculum being taught in the classroom, like social, emotional learning, race, and history. It's driving a deep divide between parents, teachers, and school boards. Some parents believe that education around or acknowledgement of sexual orientation has no place in the classroom. Others take issue with history lessons that put an emphasis on racism's role in shaping U.S. history will lead kids to view people for their skin color first. Advocates of expanding sex education in schools say learning about what it means to be gay or transgender can help children understand how to treat those different from them, and will therefore reduce bullying down the road. Proponents for race-related history curriculum say teaching kids to be colorblind actually perpetuates racism, and that lessons around structural racism are key to eradicating it. As Americans get set to vote in the midterms for weeks, education has emerged as one of the top voting issues with many Republican candidates amplifying the fight for parents' say in education on the campaign trail. Now, I want to say something on this, and I think what I find interesting just with like the way like that story is closed of like Republicans really amplifying this fight for parents and parents' rights, and you see the Moms Demand crew really going hard in the page for this stuff is the Republicans are using like almost like a proactive approach around education, they're using it as like a rallying cry and they are being, like, this is an issue we're talking about. And the Democrats have more of a reactive defensive stance to this. I feel like, because I don't see necessarily like Democrats on the campaign trail saying, Oh, well, like we want to teach X, Y, Z thing." Oh, we want, like not taking a stand on like what they want to see in the classroom. And instead, instead they're like coming to like a defense being like, no, this rhetoric is wrong or no, that, stance is wrong but they're not like providing like a we would teach xyz if that makes any sense
1: yeah I think nobody knows what the fuck to do or to or what they're talking about honestly and it's also a testament to just how the focus has not been on education for so long and then all of a sudden like this is now coming to the forefront for a lot of people and it's like we need now our leaders to react and it's just interesting yeah to see some of the reactions from both parties. The other thing that like this doesn't talk about that I think is a really important piece of now, unfortunately, like our education system is around gun violence, which is so fucking crazy. There has to be obviously a big, you know, migration away from teaching as well due to the fact that it has become an actually like physically dangerous job you are lacking respect for teachers when you don't take action on gun violence because Mm -hmm. they're now at the forefront of like really dark violence which is just so fucking crazy and i'm sure that's a huge piece of this and a huge fear for teachers now and probably a huge consideration when people who want to be teachers or who are teachers either decide to leave the job or Don't even consider taking the job. Gun violence piece, I think, is an important thing to touch on too. But yeah, there's just a lot of work to be done. Definitely make sure that you are asking candidates, asking your electeds about this issue because it is so important. Whether you have kids or not, like Sam and I couldn't be farther from having children. (laughs) We're gonna be also like farther from being in school, like but it's just so important this issue. And I think everyone needs everyone needs to care about this and ask our leaders to make this a priority before it's way too late even though it's already too late right now but nonetheless moving forward to a story around dank because joe biden is pardoning what did you just call it dank that's a that's what you have to say on tiktok so you don't get shadow banned
0: you know what's interesting is you must be on weed tiktok and i'm i'm not i'm not on weed tiktok
1: that's what even like envy's tiktok about this story they said Dank as well. And I realized after I saw their video that the one I made when the story first dropped, I said marijuana a bunch. And I'm like, it got zero views. And I'm sure that's why. So, but yeah. Dank, Samantha. Get with the times.
0: Wow. I missed that one.
1: But what we're talking about is weed. Because huge story. Joe Biden is pardoning Americans with federal convictions for marijuana possessions, which is great news. But there is more to the story because there is still... Tons and tons of people that will remain in jail due to minor drug offenses because of state laws. So that's what the story is about. But basically, by so pardoning it also Americans,
0: that, it's about 6,500 people that are within this federal federal. Yeah, yeah. So that's just
1: not that many people, especially given how many people we incarcerate. Um, But nonetheless, by pardoning Americans with federal convictions for marijuana possession, President Joe Biden said he aimed to partially redress decades of anti drug laws that disproportionately harm Black and Latino communities. So while Biden's executive action will benefit thousands of people by making it easier for them to find housing, get a job, or apply to college, it does nothing to help the hundreds of thousands of mostly Black and Hispanic Americans still burdened by state convictions for for marijuana related offenses. Not to mention the millions more with other drug offenses on their records. So, advocates for overhauling the nation's drug laws are hopeful that Biden's pardon leads state lawmakers to pardon and expunge minor drug offenses from people's records. After all, they say dozens of states have already decriminalized cannabis and legalized it for a multi billion dollar recreational and medicinal use industry that is predominantly white owned. So this is a quote from the director of federal affairs at the Drug Policy Alliance. She said, we know that this is really the tip of the iceberg when it comes to people who are suffering from the effects of past marijuana prohibition. And so the decades-long War on Drugs, a sweeping federal legislative agenda that Biden actually championed as a U.S. senator, and that was mirrored by state lawmakers brought about mass criminalization and an explosion of the prison population. And so an estimated tens of millions of people have had marijuana-related arrests on their record since 1965, and the vast majority of them stemming from enforcement by local police and state prosecutors— but as many law enforcement officials like to point out, the majority of people who serve long sentences for marijuana related offenses were convicted of more serious charges in possession such as weapons such as a weapons count or the intent to sale, sell or traffic the drug on a larger scale. Such factors are typically how a case moves into federal territory versus state prosecution. So still reform advocates counter that many of them violent violent drunk drug pins am i okay drug kingpins and a 2021 associated press review of federal and state incarceration data showed that between 1975 and 2019 the us prison population jumped from 240,593 to 1.43 million people which is fucking insane Of them, about one in five were incarcerated with a drug offense listed as their most serious crime. The passage of stiffer penalties for crack cocaine, marijuana, and other drugs in the 1990s helped to triple the black and Hispanic incarceration rates by the year 2000. The white incarceration rate only doubled. Fucking wild. And despite state legalization or decriminalization of possession of up to certain amounts, Local law enforcement agencies continue to make more arrests for drug possession, including marijuana, than any other criminal offense, according to FBI crime data. And the president's pardon of more than 6,500 Americans with federal marijuana possession convictions, as well as thousands more with convictions in the majority black city of Washington captures only a sliver of those with records nationwide, and that's likely why he has called on state governors to take similar steps for people with state marijuana possession convictions.
0: Hey, guys. Popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Oh, Big story and, um, a, you know, yeah. a big move by Joe Biden. But again, it, it does come back down to our states. And this is just another example of why it's so important to pay attention to your state government, make sure your friends are voting for reps in the state house, state senate governors. So many of these issues come down to our states, especially these days. And so this is just a, literally another example of that.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I'm super curious to see generally what all these governors do across the country, Democrat or Republican in general, because part of like this Move is not only obviously they say to signal, but it's to really be like, okay, I've done this. Now follow my lead, which I do think is a very like traditional role of the president, right? It's supposed to be like, we're going to create the temperature in the room, and this is one of those moments of like how they are looking at marijuana related policy and convictions and policing and all of that. So I think that's interesting. But I think what will in particular interesting within that bubble is how Republican governors choose to move on this because making legalization of marijuana is actually quite popular amongst Republicans. And like Nancy Mace, who is a Republican candidate slash also Congresswoman in North Carolina is actually very, very pro this and actually pretty bipartisan, even though I disagree with her on almost everything. But regardless of that, it's like kind of one of those things that I feel like is so bipartisan. It is yeah. so much bipartisan appeal, like, because every time I go also to down a deep dive with looking at candidates all over the country, Republican, Democrat, etc. like that is a theme that I see across both or even more conservative Democrats, especially running in just more conservative areas, legalizing media is like on their websites. It's mm-hmm. very much a part of their campaign. So yeah, I'm curious to see how the reaction goes there. Also, were you surprised when this dropped? Yeah, I didn't know it was really
1: in the works, but I'm proud of, of Joey B for making moves on this. But it's just, and it's an interesting issue because it's like also kind of racism in plain sight. Like the majority of people who are in jail for simple marijuana possessions are people of color. And now the legalization of marijuana is a white dominated industry and the just kind of hypocrisy there is... Blaring, as I like to say. I guess that's my new phrase. I said it last week, too. The hypocrisy yeah. is blaring. Yeah, definitely continue to call on your state reps, your governors, to make moves on this as well. I think it's just absolutely not okay that there are literally states where marijuana is legal, but people are still sitting in jail for simple marijuana possession. It's fucking... There's. If I was, like, the family member of anyone oh my God, in that no. scenario, I would not be okay like I would hate the world like it's just so crazy to me that that's the reality but yeah nonetheless those are the top stories of the week tomorrow come back for our guest epi with drum roll please our friends at Political Playlist. This was such a co- fun conversation. We talk about young politicians, young members of Congress, and why it's so important to make sure we vote for younger folks because we need some fresh blood in there. We need some representation for our generation. And we talk all about that and have, have some fun doing it. So definitely tune in. And before we go, don't forget, Friends don't love Friends Miss Elections. <laughs>
0: That's how we sign off until election
1: day. We'll be talking to you tomorrow. Toodles.
0: Toodles.